Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Our thanks, as ever, to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Coming up this week, um, we'll reflect on the game of the weekend. Well, it was the only game of the weekend um, as Rovers um, beat Rangers in a very dramatic finish. Um, we'll also look ahead to the under-21 Marathi, the Ambassador Bowl, back in its November slot. Um, it's... Well, on at the track on Sunday, um, weather permitting, um, I've been speaking to the under-21s head coach, Jordan Kelly, um, ahead of that one. And we'll pick out a few other things that have been happening in local football over the last few days. Uh, with me to do all that uh, is Jim Fanner. Hi, Tony. And Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. Keep you on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's start with uh, with Rangers Rovers, Jim. Um, quite a finish. Uh, yeah, I, I'm grateful for the uh, for the for the dramatic ending as well because uh, due to other commitments, I was unable to get there for the first half. So I turned up and the score is two two, uh, and I learned that basically there were what, three goals in the first five minutes of the game with Rovers taking the lead and then Rangers immediately bouncing back and going two one up. Uh, but um, it's so a we got in the second half for most of it was just more frustration for Rovers every time I see them. It's the same old game, uh, you know, trying to. You play long diagonals with wind and and you know howling wind and driving rain. It was pretty miserable down at KG, although there was a fair a fair attendance at the game. Um, but you know, and Rovers, every cross they were, every dead ball was being over hit, and they were going absolutely nowhere. And the game was kind of destined to end two two. Uh, and then late free kick and Luke Ozier, who I've got to say, as a, as a beanpole centre forward option, is doing a very good job for uh, for Rovers. I understand that there was talk on the bench about whether he should have been taken off by then, but they left him on and wisely so because he jumped highest to uh, to nod in for three two, and you kind of thought, oh, that, that's that, that's the uh, that's you know because it was. At that point, it was all all Rovers. Rangers were just you know, setting up to frustrate and and defend, um, and then. Uh, so you know, Rovers go three two up when you think about that's game over, and then lo and behold, they go down the other end and, and uh, Rangers get a penalty, uh, justified penalty, and bl- blimey, they're going to steal a point here again. Uh, and Steve Renoff, who had a decent game, but he stepped up and rattled the uh, the left hand post with his uh, with his penalty kick, and you know his head kind of slumped on his chest, and he basically he knew that he'd, he'd thrown a point away. And then uh, James Grundy, another one who had a good game, added a fourth uh, very late on. So in the end, I had more than enough uh, uh, action in that 10 minutes to write a, a fine match report for today's paper. And quite long what it ended up being. <laughs> yes, very disappointingly, yes. <laughs> now, I, I must say, it's very nice of Jim to offer to write that report. But when I, when he told me that he wouldn't be able to see much of the game, I actually said, oh, well, I won't give you much space at all. And I left him a maximum of 250 words and he, he posts pretty much 500 words, which... Uh, <laughs> We managed to squeeze in. but that Value for money, Gareth. That's, that's what I offer. You always do every week, because we don't pay you anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there was plenty to talk about. Um, let's hear what uh, Chris Tardiff, the Rangers um, coach, had to say to you, Jim, at full time. You must be frustrated at, at that result. You were you know, so much in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, small margins is what we said in the dressing room. Uh, obviously, I had a good opportunity to go three each and, and probably would have ridden the game out of three all. Um, we felt like we gave Rovers three goals, really. Poor defending, um, mistake by Shep, early doors. But the pleasing thing is we have, we've turned the corner in, in the sense that we don't stop. We came back really quickly. We had some uh, good passes of play. We had to change shape slightly because of injuries and things like that. But, um, yeah, I can't grumble at the guys. Um, I thought we deserved a point from it, if I'm truthful. Um, sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. It looked for a long time like you were going to get a point. I mean... The- you know, you were just frustrating Rovers. They couldn't 
create anything second half? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, difficult, difficult conditions to play in, obviously. Um, wind, rain, the 3G, tight, narrow pitch. And that's why we changed our, our shape a little bit because we wanted to frustrate them. Um, yeah, and very much suited you to yeah, do that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And what I said to the guys afterwards, be disappointed, but move on from it. Because we are obviously progressing in the right way. Last year, we lost 7-0, 7-1, 2-0 to Rovers. We even scored a goal last year, I think it was. So um, we're obviously progressing. We know where we made mistakes, but we, we can push on from that. Yeah, and you feel that you know, the league table doesn't lie. You know, you must feel like you're making progress there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think? The squad a little bit thin, would that be your main concern? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you see that from the teams that are at the top of the league. It's not just um, the first 11 that made a difference. It's having that depth in, depth in your squad. And that's where we are, a tiny bit short still. Um, but it's a great opportunity for our young lads to come in and get time and um, senior football and push themselves into the shop window. And when you see what things are like at the moment, do you think you know fourth place would be uh, achievable for you? Absolutely. We said that at the start of the season before we saw what was going to happen. Definitely fourth place and, and there's no reason why we can't keep pushing. Chris Tardiff speaking to you there, Jim. Well, Rangers ran last year's champions pretty close there. I mean, what did you make of what you saw? Yeah, I think Rangers are coming on. As I asked um, Chris, you know, does he really think now that they are candidates for, for fourth place? And I, th I think they are. Um, you know, the conditions uh, on Saturday were very much up their street. You know, when you're playing on the 3G, uh, you can keep it tight, you can frustrate people and that's what they were really setting out to do. But, you know, frankly, I think uh, when you're in the, the bottom half of the, of the Prio, you, if that's the way you've got to play, then that's the way you you got to play and it so nearly delivered them a, a result uh, and, and I thought they were, you know, they would have been good value for their point. Who will be looking over their shoulder then for that fourth spot? Well, I, I haven't seen enough uh, of, of the teams to, to truly say, but I mean, you think, yeah, Saints potentially might be the most vulnerable. But, but you know, it's it's, a, it's up to Rangers. They've got to, you know, go and, and start picking up results now off the off the better teams. Uh, and if they can, you know, the one thing you say about Rangers is they've got goals in them. Uh, and, and if they can, so if they can score and then if they can keep things tight, then, you know, they, they've got a chance. Um, I did think, though, you know, watching the game, uh, and with the Stranger Cup, you know, not too far away, I think a lot of the uh, attraction of playing on the 3G seems to have disappeared from uh, from from, from Prio football. There's it, it a lot of frustration in the game, and I think people are, are now. I mean, of course, the 3G is an absolute asset. Where would we be without the opportunity to, to play on it? But I felt that the the teams, you know, I mean, Rovers, I think arguably did you know should have had the technical ability to be able to play through the thirds and to and to to play you know through rangers but they didn't trust themselves and but in that environment you know one slight miscontrol one you know mistouch that takes the ball aerially rather than just at your feet and somebody's on you straight away bang you know because there's no not a second to breathe on that pitch uh, and it's you know when you're in the middle of it it doesn't seem too bad sometimes but when you're watching on the sidelines at a higher quality game it is absolute, you know, you haven't got a, a second on the ball and the, people just don't like that. And it's, you know, it means that as a result, you you, know, you tend to play, you're not playing the football, you really know that you can play because people tend to just hoof it instead. And you know that hoofing it on the KG doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. But people just default to doing it because it kind of, 
gets them out of jail rather than be robbed in their own half and then potentially you know lead to the creation of a chance or or a goal against them so it's kind of it's all set up for you to play properly but people aren't trusting themselves and so it's, it's you know it's getting very angsty in there as you say it is a great asset but it's hard not to feel like you're watching or involved in a training game with it's just you know with the the sort of the relatively small runoff you know the, the sort of nets pulled to one side and the, the lines everywhere it's kind of it's got that feel isn't it I, and i saw a lot of the stranger games last year and almost all of them followed exactly the same pattern the first 15 minutes was just like you know, one big scrum in the middle of the pitch. And then as people tired of it, a little bit more space was created. But, you know, the, the, nobody ever got clear in the first 15 minutes of these games because it's just, you know, everybody, you know, it's almost like, you know, preschool football or whatever, everybody, you know, or, you know, year one minis where, you know, 20 people will try and kick the ball at the same time almost, you know. That's the way it kind of seems from the, from the, from the touchline. Well, it might be used so. a lot more given the weather we've got around at the moment. Um, yeah, that was the only game of the weekend, wasn't it? Uh, everything else um, fell foul of uh, the conditions and it is going to be quite a quiet couple of weeks for domestic football because this weekend, of course, we've got um, the under-21 Marathi and, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that next. Welcome back to the Guns Press Football Podcast. Um, yeah, big game on Sunday. Uh, the Ambassador Bowl, the under-21 Marathi, brought back to its uh, traditional November slot. I mean, I, I don't know. Hallelujah. Yeah, I think it started in the late 80s, didn't it, the under-21s? Uh, and November, yeah, I mean, you know, and we we did actually on the podcast call for, for that to return. I think it's absolutely right. You know, you were getting a situation last year where somebody could have been in the under 18 squad and the 21 squad at a coming up to a peak time in their season they're basically expected not only to train for their club but to train for the island for, you know in in these weeks running up to march april matches you know it was kind of uh, just you know not <laughs> not what you need uh, so i think to have a you know to have an interim at this time of the year is uh, definitely the way to go it's a shame that you know it looks like the weather will conspire against us having the the game that we want at the place that we want well that's it it's down as a 12 30 kickoff on sunday at the track we'll um wait and see and keep you posted as to whether anything changes there um, I'd, I'd be amazed if the game doesn't end up at the garen stand if indeed it ends up there <laughs> yeah we shall see but um, i don't think it'll be played at the kg5 3g that would be a, a, a come that might be to our benefit though if we did buy that <laughs> well if you set up to frustrate exactly yeah. well it was uh, by the looks of it quite an open game at this level last season wasn't it after those uh, was it four in a row that Guernsey won um, yeah Jersey took the trophy back at Springfield last season um, yeah by some margin uh, yeah quite an eventful match over there um, it was a very disappointing game from a Guernsey perspective wasn't it I mean yeah, I think the score didn't we score a couple of late goals to put a bit of a gloss on it but we were uh, uh, hammered uh, we, we were well beaten that was the one I was watching on a live stream and um, for the best part of pretty much 80 minutes it, it, it was virtually men against boys really Jersey were thoroughly deserving winners that day and um, yeah there was a there was a bit of individual brilliance from Brandon Wallace I think on the day which helped Guernsey get a bit of uh, respectability about the scoreline but and, and Jersey were thoroughly the better side well we'll see what Guernsey's team can do on home soil this time there's a, a new man in the dugout for the under 21s Jordan Kelly um, has been given the head coach role after leading Guernsey's under-18s to that sole Marathi victory last season. And he came to see us here in the uh, Guernsey Press podcast studio um, for a quick chat. I uh, caught up with him about taking on the role and about his uh, coaching more widely as well. 
Jordy, welcome to the pod. Great to see you. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, what is a very busy week for you, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. um, busy few weeks, um, getting ready for um, Sunday's Under-21 Marathi, the Ambassador Bowl back here. Uh, you're going to be in the dugout, head coach yeah. of the Guernsey side for that. I mean, first of all, just... Um, just tell us what it means to you to be uh, to be taking that next step in your your kind of your coaching development. Yeah, no, I'm I'm ha very happy to take it. To be honest, um, obviously I, I took the 18s last year at a little bit of short notice, and I love my coaching. I love managing. So to get probably the second highest you can get in the men's game at that rep level over here at my age, I'm. And I mean, I only played a couple of years ago. So for me, it's quite an honour to be able to lead this team. You mentioned last year, as you say, it was a very quick turnaround. <laughs> um, uh, we, we can talk about that game in a bit. We'll just touch on it because it was a, it was a you know, crazy afternoon there. Um, but did that that opportunity and that result, has that given you the kind of springboard in terms of confidence to go and take this on, uh, you know, take it on and take that next step? Oh, for sure. Definitely. Like, I mean, being an assistant, like you don't have the pressure. You can... It's not your neck on the line as having that first insight into management, having to employ what you would like as a manager and ultimately everything falls on you. Yeah, getting that result and seeing actually, no, I can do this. Like age is irrelevant. I've been around the game long enough. And yeah, it's definitely giving me a lot more confidence and belief to to go and do this this role that I've got now. And the GFA put out obviously a, a sort of um, a job opportunity for the 21s for the seniors as well, uh, which presumably you, you kind of went through and, um, and and kind of made that sort of formal application. I mean, that wasn't that long ago, um, but since you were tasked with the job, um, just talk us through what the preparations be like, what, what's been your sort of priority? Yeah, so um, the first priority was getting getting my coaching staff together, getting getting the group. Um, figuring out which players uh, we've able to have and injuries and that put on a little bit of a trial because obviously there's some players who've been involved in GFC and the rep ages at a lower age I know but there's a little bit of a gap that I um, perhaps haven't seen all the players within local football so we put on a trial and um, we cut, cut the squad down to 23-24 player squad and then we do a little bit more prep this week. Yeah when will you name your final match day squad? Um, well we trained today and Thursday uh, not today, to Tuesday and Thursday. And um, then probably some point after that, obviously we'd planned to train last Thursday, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obvious reasons. Yeah, so we're kind of just adjusting to make sure the players have a fair chance and making sure we see them. But yeah, at some point before the game, we will. Because it's that funny age group, isn't it? 21s that sort of straddles junior football and senior game. Yeah. Um, you've got players probably with quite vastly different experience in terms of representative football and, and, and senior football. Um, what do you make of the, the talent that we've got and that you've got at your disposal for Sunday? Yeah, I think we've got, we've got a really, really good team with a mixture of football and experiences. Even at this moment, some people playing regular for their pre side, some playing GFC. We've got quite a few GFC players like playing week in, week out at at a good non-league level potentially some players coming back from university or doing football education in the UK so we've got a real mixture of youthful experience from your six like we could have potentially some 16 17 year olds mixing with with the latter ages of the band so it's really 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 good and at this age group we had such a good run uh in the fixture um was it four in a row uh going into last year um obviously it didn't happen at Springfield last time but um we've clearly had a lot of success yeah. Is your mindset about tapping into to what we got right in those last sort of three, four years? Or is it, you know, after the defeat last year, is it kind of, have you got to start again almost? Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate enough to be involved as, as a player in those good runs under Gus and Straub. So I took a lot from reflecting upon my times as a player within that success, I think is quite key. Realise actually as a player what 
what did I enjoy? What did I think went well? And trying to mix it in with what I do now. But ultimately, I can't really worry about last year because, again, it was a, a few changes at the last minute. And again, that was out of our control. Um, so I can only focus on what we can employ now and, and what we can do going forward. Yeah, having seen the, the footage from last year, I mean, it was quite an open game, wasn't it, at Springfield? Um, uh, quite, a, it, well, I don't know, chaotic game, if that's the right term, but it was definitely, uh, it was all action. Yeah. Um, and and so was that under-18 game that you were involved in uh, that we spoke about before, um, you know, just a, a mad, mad afternoon. Presumably you won't want something quite as uncontrolled as that <laughs> going into Sunday, but I mean, how has your own kind of coaching philosophy evolved in the, in the last sort of year or so? Um, yeah, it's definitely evolved. I still keep the same principles about working for each other. Having a, I use the word team. Teams for me massive. So together, everyone achieves more. That's you, like tactics and all of that. Like, do you know I mean we can? You've all got ideas, but I think if you don't have a group that's willing to work for each other and and for you, then I think you're going to struggle. But yeah, I kind of keep the similar similar kind of ideas and philosophy. But obviously, I'm always tweaking and I adapt it to the players we've got. In terms of taking on the job, obviously you're very, you've been very close to the game. You've, you've been, you know, you've been playing in these matches not that long ago. I mean, how difficult is it to separate your own experience and, and your own uh, kind of early, if you like, uh, impression of different players and stuff from, yeah. from kind of like, I suppose, taking a step back and thinking, you know, you've got to give everyone a fresh yeah. chance. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I'd like to, I like to feel I'm quite like black and white. I can, I can take away my own thoughts from personal so obviously with some of them I've played with, some of them I've played against, some of them I'm coaching now in different teams, so I, I could be seen to have a bias. But yeah, no, I'm quite, I can take a step back and do what's best for the group. And obviously I've got my assistants who who, who see them in different areas or some I haven't seen them actually play before. So I, I'd like to use my coaching team and have a whole collective. I'm, I'm the manager, but even as a coaching team, we're one. Yeah, because you're going to take quite a lot of input from from what is quite a big sort of uh, support staff, just yeah. through who you've brought board and and what they bring to the table. Yeah, so I brought in um, Jace Lehman. So he's just come into our academy, um, just done a little bit of Saints. But he's someone who's really got a real passion for the game and very like-minded. So I was keen to surround myself with him. I've still got um, my support from last year of Caden Tardif. Jason Tardis for Caden does a lot of my analysis and the trusted support. Jason... Jason's amazing. He does he does everything that I don't really want to do. <laughs> um, whilst giving very good very good feedback, taking a warm up, I've also brought um, Charlie Leprevo, so an up and coming coach in the Premier League who who wanted to dip a little bit into into rep football. So again, giving him an opportunity where he can observe, learn, but also see what it's like on um, a rep level, and then also someone on the outside who's kind of involved with the majority of my groups is Martin Scott. So he's doing a little bit more observational work, not so much on the pitch at the minute, but just taking a step back for me, observing from afar and just looking at different players. And then maybe I might get Ross just to provide, do you know what I mean? That's a trusted trusted friend and support network on the day. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it's, it, I, mean, you know, I guess you've mentioned it before about teamwork on the pitch. I suppose is that as important off it that, that you guys as a coaching unit um, yeah. kind of help to get the best out of each other? Yeah, like we've, we've all got different... Well, like, do you mean when there's a f philosophy that the coaches buy into? Um, it's like for me, we have to set the trend as coaches. We can't expect the players to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. So we've got to be positive, energetic, and we're people. Like we're coaching staff, they're players, but actually, let's talk and find the best solution. It's the same with us at coaching. I've got an idea, 
but if I can utilize my coaching staff, that's six, seven different ideas. And actually, let's see what we can find the best overlap because ultimately we're there to do the same job. Yeah. And when you think about the emotion involved on a day like this and, and, and think back to to that under 18 game at the track and how you felt afterwards um uh, yeah how, how special was that to to taste a, a victory as a coach and, and and how much do you want to experience that again on sunday yeah i mean it was it was an incredible day i mean like you say in the game you couldn't have asked for any more i don't think i will ever have as much go on in a football game as a coach or a manager in, in my time now but yeah having that feeling of do you know what I mean, Foot, I mean, we we all love the sport. We all enjoy playing sport, but ultimately, we play it, we play it to win, right? And you can't tell me anyone that enjoys losing. So to get a win, yeah, that's that's what we're trying to do again and get that positive feeling. Yeah, and it was that rare win last season, um, the only one in the, you know, in the set of Marathis. Um, how motivated are you that that you kind of start this Marathi season, if you like, on the right foot from a Guernsey perspective? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of people come up to me saying, yeah, you've got a bit of pressure on your shoulders here because I've done the under-18s and then we won, done the Malaya Cup and we won. So people are starting to put a little bit of pressure on on me now. And I'm, but we'll just see. Do you know what Is I mean? nice pressure? It's nice, but I don't want to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm quite enjoying quite enjoying the streak. So, but at some point, that's, it's going to come to an end. Like, it's... But hopefully not too soon. But no, I enjoy it. It's nice to to try and spread a little bit of positivity again within rep football and yeah let's see what we can do do you feel like across the board that things are moving in the right direction obviously the last couple of years there's been a lot of chat about perhaps what's going wrong or or, or why guernsey um, rep sides haven't quite measured up to jersey and you know th there are lots of opinions on it of course <laughs> yeah. um but is there a lot of work going on behind the scenes to to kind of redress that yeah yeah there's always going to be outside opinion but when We've just revamped, with, like with Ross, myself, Gary and the, the FA and the new coaches we've got on board, we've kind of revamped the way the academy is going to work alongside with Rob and Aztec. And I think I think this is the start of a good, good, really good pathway to push on the, the, the elite players within each age group to really try and strive to get to get players at a high level that we can so I feel at the youth level that we'll see the fruits coming through later on but even within rep football now it's a lot more organised coaches are in place we've now set game programmes regular training compared to last year it's definitely in a lot better place and even at the highest level with GFC you can see okay the results maybe aren't going our way but we're probably playing the better the best football we've played in years with a really youthful group That's really encouraging to hear and, and for you as a well, you're still relatively young in coaching yeah. terms, for sure. Um, but it seems like you're really trying to push yourself on. Tell us about what you're doing, kind of, I suppose, as Jordan Kelly um, <laughs> to, 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 yeah, to pursue this kind of coaching ambition. Yeah, so I've just, I've just opened up a, um, a coaching business, um, JK1 and JK1 Goalkeeping, so that I'm going to be moving alongside that, along with the rep football. Um, I've just spent a couple of days in Eindhoven, with a couple of my friends, so Martin Brennan and Hans Sagers, looking at PSV. Um, then I went. I was had a couple of days at Fulham under twenty ones, under eighteens. Same with Chelsea. Um, so really learning from people at the top end of that level, and kind of just getting an insight into what it's like at the higher levels in professional football, whilst trying to push myself and be the best 
best person, best coach that I can be. How have those opportunities come about? Is it just kind of cold calling or have you kind of got connections already that you can you can work with? Um, so, so I do a lot of work with Glove Glue and Glove Glue Academy. So Glove Glue um, is a massive UK company that works within goalkeeping and they've got a academy run by Martin Brennan, who's an ex-Premier League goalie coach. So we do a lot of um, coaching together. We've just, we're just going to open up Glove Glue Guernsey. Um, well, Glove Glue Academy Guernsey. So he's got contacts from when he he was in the game. Um, so I went and observed a guy called Vic Bettinelli, who used to play professional football, coached the first team, whose son's Marcus is currently Chelsea's number three goalkeeper. So yeah, that was, the connection allowed me to go in and explore. Same with having Hans Sagers as a contact in Holland. Allows me to go and see Eindhoven and in the future, hopefully, go into PSV. Yeah, awesome. I think it's probably a conversation we'll have to come back to because there's a lot going on. I mean, just briefly, though, in terms of your motivation for it, obviously, we've seen sports people in Guernsey go away in lots of different fields and, and succeed. We don't see it very often with coaches. Yeah. It, it, I mean, is that something that, that, that you want to change? Yeah, I mean, like we first, like, obviously, I was a player and I wanted to go and play away professionally or do athletics professionally. But I, I love my coaching and it's a great point you make. We get a lot of sports, peop sports people that go and perform within the sport, but actually we don't see too, too many coaches across the sport. So it's one of my, I've got two little pathways, one to branch off JK1 and link it in, or actually can I go and be a professional coach within football and hopefully get to the Premier League in coaching? That's, that's one of my aims. That's exciting. Well, uh, yeah, I think we've got to return to it at some point because, um, yeah, there is there's a lot going on that side of things. But just coming back to Sunday's match, um, you've got a few days left to, to yeah. prepare. Uh, yeah, what, what's the kind of the, the key message that you'll be telling your squad? Um, just, like I say, I keep going back to that team unity, like work for each other. Like they're all good enough players who have enough football experience to understand tactics and and everything like that. It's, I'm not, I haven't really got enough time to employ a philosophy looking at Pep Guardiola it takes about 200 hours to employ a philosophy so I definitely don't have that time but just selecting a good group of people that want to work for each other have the same goal try and win the game and we'll, and we'll see what we can do Jordan Kelly speaking to me there. Uh, yeah, he hasn't had the, the job long. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm sure been working hard in the, in the few weeks to get ready for Sunday's game. We will, of course, uh, have full report reaction in the paper. I'll be filming it as well and we'll, have, uh, yeah, we'll be chatting about it on next week's pod. So uh, yeah, best of luck um, to Guernsey's side for that one. Um, that game comes, Gareth, the day after GFC are in action uh, at Foots Lane. They play Corinthian Casuals on Saturday afternoon, having lost away at the weekend. And it's, um, yeah, turn into a pretty big game yeah a bit of a massive game Tony I believe if uh, GFC win that one they go above Corinthian casuals which would be uh, an out of sort of like the bottom uh, relegation zone I don't like particularly referring to that at this stage of the season it's all very early but um, it'd certainly be a uh, a major boost for GFC if they were to do that. Um, yeah, going away last weekend to Hartley Whitney, um, I think it came as a bit of a surprise that the game was on. And then when they arrived, I think they found the pitch in quite, quite a, a sodden state, which is not really surprising considering the weather we've had. Um, but in all fairness, I believe the hosts had a, a very potent sort of uh, forward line and very um, pacey and, and uh, skillful, which Tony Vance sort of um, has, has told Harry Jones that it's sort of like the best he's seen so far this season in the league. So to lose 2-0 away was not a, a major 
disgrace or anything like that. The the youngsters put in a good shift and um, they should take some confidence out of that, even though the result didn't go their way. But yeah, I think Corinthian casuals will be a massive game uh, at the Garen Sand on Saturday. And um, that's one where Guernsey really needs to be getting three points. Yeah, and without um, presumably... Uh, several of the the younger players who'll be in action in the 21s on Sunday, so we could see uh, you know some of the more experienced names who haven't been involved for a little while. Maybe Ross Allen back in the squad for Sunday. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a more mature lineup, isn't it? Well, yeah. The, obviously, there's sort of three or four sort of regulars from GFC's uh, side or squad from this season who will be involved in the under 21s for sure. So. You know, the likes of um, Owen Woolbridge, Keen Domar, Seb Vance won't be involved for the Green Lions on Saturday. So, yeah, you'd imagine there'll be a few um, experienced heads returning, even if they perhaps haven't um, been seen an awful lot so far this season. And, yeah, I imagine Ross might be um, might be one of the Vancey's tapping up to get involved in that one for sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, well, yeah, two really big uh, games then on Saturday and Sunday for, for Ireland sides. Just the one um, Prio game, which is Wreck against Alderney on Saturday. Um, yeah, Alderney couldn't get down uh, on uh, this weekend, Jim. So, um, yeah, the big game, well, top view bottom. Yeah, and I guess uh, Rec will be looking to right the wrongs of uh, what happened at Mount Hale uh, two weeks ago. I know that... Um, uh, Alderney are a little bit uh, shy on numbers for, for, for that game, so uh, we'll be interesting to see um, who they get and uh, and how they front up. I'll wait for the call up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> quick word on what else happened at the weekend. Uh, we'll be watching um, what comes out of Bournemouth very closely after Alex Scott hobbled off and was was helped off the field um, mm. with a with another knee injury on Saturday at uh, Man City. Um, the well, the other knee uh, to the one that was injured and kept him out initially at Bournemouth. But um, sort of the comments that came out from Iriola after the game, more positive perhaps than the images looked mm. when he came off the pitch. I say it didn't look good. It didn't look great. It, it's, it's the hope that the, it was like an impact injury. It, just, it was a real sort of tweak of the knee. And you just hope that it has eased up um, over over the last couple of days. But um, yeah, he, um, he was breaking into the box. And I think it was Rodri who challenged him as he was going for a, a shot. And it was just a block tackle. And uh, yeah, he he went down and stayed down, Alex, and um, needed to be helped off the pitch. And that was sort of the end of the first half. And yeah, um, hopefully it was uh, it was one that will just ease up given a given a week or so. But yeah, fingers crossed that it it wasn't quite as bad as it first appeared. Yeah, definitely got everything crossed um, that it is uh, is a minor knock because it was quite a week. I mean, obviously playing um, at the Etihad and uh, just a few days after taking on Liverpool in the League Cup and getting his first assist. So um, yeah, so it's certainly been all good. He, he won't want to miss the Newcastle game this weekend, will he, Tony? Well, that is the big one, of course. <laughs> yeah. But to be fair, I mean, I know we're biased here, but it's actually nice to see a Premier League player being able to take a corner, which uh, <laughs> Alex actually came very close to scoring direct against Liverpool yeah. in that Carabao Cup, and then. Uh, whip one in for um, Cliver. I, I keep wanting to say Patrick Cliver, but it's obviously Justin Cliver to score. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great that at least one Guernseyman can take corners, whereas most of the, the multi-million pound stars from elsewhere in the world can't do it in the Premier League. Well, I could use that ability in the Indies squad for sure. <laughs> we do love picking out the near post. When you, when you get Tony Kerr on corners, <laughs> I think yeah, he's, he's more useful in a dead ball situation. <laughs> <laughs> but he can't rise like a salmon to head home in the, in the corners. I've actually so. started winning headers unbelievably um, as in winning <laughs> unchallenged unmarked yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, what, must what, be a reason for what it what games am I watching <laughs> they, they've been scouting you and realise you're not much of a threat there TC yeah, exactly. so you know. <laughs> 
Um, quick word as well on Manchester United women. Uh, Mayo is in action. Uh, that one was live on Sky uh, last night on Sunday. Um, and yeah, but, well, late comeback, a late fight back from, from United in that one. Yeah, Brighton, um, obviously uh, Mayo's former club, um, they're, they're certainly improving this season. They've played pretty well and they twice took the lead against United. And uh, Ella Toon had an absolute screamer for, for the first equaliser. And then Brighton got a, got a goal, sort of, I think it's the 90th minute, but there was a lot of injury time played. It was actually eight minutes held up on the board. And uh, very typical of United, uh, they keep fighting until the end. And uh, Rachel Williams got an equaliser in, in the 98th minute. So um, it was a very dramatic finish. Um, but yeah, it was actually a really good game. I saw this sort of much of the second half and it was pretty end-to-end stuff. It was very entertaining. But United don't seem to be sort of quite at it yet. They've had a few sort of personnel changes over the summer and I think they're just sort of trying to bed in a few new players and uh, hopefully they'll they'll um, start picking up more wins than draws as they have been doing so far. Yeah, we'll be following uh, them, of course, this season. Uh, we'll be back next Monday with another Guernsey Press football podcast um, reflecting on the under-21 Marathi uh, and hopefully a Guernsey victory and also GFC's big game on Saturday. So, um, yeah, two, two big matches to, to look forward to there. Um, thanks very much, guys. Thanks to Rehoy and Son for their support. Uh, yeah, see you next time. Cheers, Cheers Tony.